0: I'm Kim Grinolds of dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and it is podcast time with uh, just everything that's going on out there in the real world. We're going to up the podcast frequency and try to get out to you guys on a regular basis, even though there's not a lot going on. There is a lot going on. JT Tumalau, rumored by the Ohio State site to be signed, sealed, and delivered. We'll break that down a little bit. There's well a little bit more of the recruiting information. A uh, local kid who is playing basketball at Wichita State, could he be looking at transferring back closer to home to Washington? guy who's been committed to Washington out of West Seattle, point guard, decommits from the Washington basketball team. Corey Littleton signs a big contract. Desmond Trufant expected to be released by the atlanta falcons could he come to seattle and uh, also talk about something really really cool we're working on along with university of washington going back into the archives and trying to get every roster since the start of football we talked to jeff bechtold a little bit uh, about what is going on with that some real interesting stuff we'll talk a little bit about that as well but scott We see rumors all the time about recruiting and guys saying that uh, recruits are all signed, sealed, and delivered. And we've raised our eyebrows a lot of the time. But the guy at the Ohio State site who's reporting this has been around for a long time and pretty reputable guy.
1: Yeah, well, you're talking about Bill Bill Kurelik, and he's uh, actually not the one reporting it. No one put their name on it. It sounds like it was more of just rumor and innuendo that they were uh, putting out there that they had heard. Um, but that being said, you know i've I've been saying it for a long time that I thought JT to him was a pretty strong lean toward Ohio State and at this point, I think I don't think there's anything to change my mind on that um but you know when it comes to JT to Tum- Malau, I he's been focused so much on Eastside Catholics basketball program. I don't know if he still does he still play AAU? yeah. I, yeah, yeah. if he's still on AAU, he does a lot of basketball stuff in the off season and everything like that. I just don't think he's really focused that heavily on recruiting at this point. Um, I think he's really favoring Ohio State right now, but I also put up my mock class um, 1.0 uh, about, what, three weeks ago, whatever it was, and I had him coming to the University of Washington because I think eventually, <clears throat> even if he ends up committing – to ohio state i think eventually washington is going to be able to reel him in and get him signed uh when it when we roll around to either the mid-year signing period or possibly into it might even go into february but i think he still ends up at the university of washington nothing is going to change my mind on that at least at this point point. and uh this rumor while I think it has a little bit of legs, I don't think it's it's anything imminent and something that Husky fans need to worry too much about at this point.
0: And when you take a look at uh, the way, and I, I hope people don't take this the wrong way, Jimmy Lake is an aggressive guy. And if Jimmy's involved, I don't know that he would typically be involved um, as much you know, a couple of years ago as he would with this year. But Jimmy Lake's going to pull out all the stops and go after J.T. Toomalow, and very, very aggressive.
1: He is, and he already he already has been doing that. So um, Washington's doing everything they can to get him, and right now they haven't made up the ground they need to make up. I think they will be able to do that, but it's going to take a long time, and you're going to hear a lot of stories about J.T. Malau leaning toward other schools, most likely Ohio State. And you're just going to have to get ready for it because it's going to be the the meme here over the next several several months. But I think when it it's all said and done, I think staying closer to home, playing in front of the hometown fans, his family, and also um, the playing time at the University of Washington is is much more um, doable than it is at Ohio State. So, and let's
0: be honest, Scott, do you really think he knows where he wants to go
1: right now? Yes, I do. I think, I, don't. I think he knows that he wants to go to Ohio State right now, but I don't think he's set on going to Ohio State right now. Yeah, I don't think
0: he's putting a lot of thought
1: into it. How about this? It, I, think. I, think, I think he thinks that he wants to go to <laughs> Ohio State right now. Maybe maybe that's a better way of putting it, but I think when it all comes down to it, I think Washington's going to be the school that he chooses.
0: And, Chris, you've been doing this a long time. How important is it when you go to a game for a high-profile recruit like a JT to him and you look up in the stands and he has 30 family members at every basketball and every football game?
2: Well, it's, it certainly makes sense that, you know, you've got the hometown guys that, that are going to be in your ear the whole time. So even when he does take an official visit to an Ohio State or a Clemson or an Alabama or USC or wherever he wants to go, that he's going to be coming home to that element and, and family does move. I mean, that's this is where they're at. So that's always going to be a constant in his life. So I, I'm kind of with you a little bit, Kim, in the sense that he may have an inkling of what he wants to do or an idea of what he wants to do. I'm just wondering how set he really is at this point and how much he has really put in in terms of homework, doing due diligence. Now, he's been going through the process for a while. So there's there's something to be said for that. But I'm, I am kind of curious as to how close he really truly is. It feels to me like he isn't a guy that, on the one hand, may not want to draw it out because he may not appreciate the attention. But on the other hand, he doesn't feel like a guy that's like just itching to get this thing done really quickly either.
0: And Scott, how good of a recruiter is Sam Hewitt?
1: Oh, I think he's a heck of a recruiter. And the fact that the two work out at FSP together and they're friends, they talk to each other, they spend time together. I think that's going to help Washington in the long run as well.
0: And Sam's the kind of guy who people gravitate to. He's not not an in-your-face, constantly needling you, but he's one of those guys that just attracts people around him. He just has that kind of a presence. He's a really good kid he's a real sharp kid he's a real competitive kid and he's a good kid and um like i said you know it's you know it's called attraction and sam huart is that kind that of, uh, attracts people surround him so i think sam is going to play a big part in uh, jt toomalau as well as uh, a lot of the other local recruits maybe not as much with emeka buka because emeka a little bit further away and he's not training up at fsp
1: that and emeka buka is probably headed to clemson right now so (laughs) he's not going to be recruiting him to stay local the other the other thing is too there's another guy though that's a pretty pretty vocal kid and uh and um a guy that people kind of gravitate to and he's going to ohio state well he's actually already at ohio state and that's g scott jr and the two are of those guys are two very close friends so um, and by the way, I said Emeka Buka is headed to Clemson. That's my mistake. I over, He is actually likely headed to Ohio State as well. So, you know, he's got things to pull him to Ohio State besides the draw of playing for a program, a blue blood program like Ohio State. But once again, I just think in the long run, Washington being close to home and being where he can play in front of his friends and family, I, I think that's going to eventually be the school that wins out. It's got
0: a big uh, hire, maybe a little bit under the radar to those who don't follow things closely, but for those who follow recruiting and are in the business, Jimmy Lake hiring the head coach at Simon Fraser, Thomas Ford, brother of Tracy Ford from FSP. How big of a deal is this?
1: Yeah, well, uh, Thomas Ford, people might not know, but he was the head coach down at Stadium and kind of put that high school back on the map. He he did a really good job of bringing him some talent down there, getting them all focused on going in the same direction, getting them in the workouts. Um, we had heard from some parents down there that before he got there, they had five guys show up for the off-season workout program. He added up to like 35, 40 guys. Then after he left, it dropped back down to like 10. So he has a mo- He's – he's got that motivation thing going that he's just one of those guys who can motivate a lot of guys and – Get them to work hard and push themselves, and and uh, I know that he loves the University of Washington, and I know that he's got his tentacles, and I mean that in a very positive way, but he's got his tentacles out. All over the region, and and I think that's going to be really helpful to the University of Washington over the next few years that he's at the with the program. Hopefully, he's there for a long time. But this is a stepping stone job for him. I mean, whether he gets on the field as a as an assistant coach or anything like that, I, hard to know on something like that. But he's a guy that is really going to help in the local recruiting scene, and then whatever he's able to do as a he's an offensive analyst, right, or quality control, right? Right. Yeah, so on the offensive side of the ball, doing the quality control, I mean, that's going to be another big thing as well. And for either
0: one of you, you know, he's the brother of Tracy Ford, who runs Ford Sports Performance uh, up in, actually, in Victoria. I don't know if it's Bellevue or Newcastle, but uh, it's Tracy's brother. But Tracy's got to be careful there, too, because he can't be seen as favoring any school. Um, He's got to do what's best for him. So, you know, Chris, you've known Tracy for a long time. How does he walk that fine line?
2: Well, he does it as well as anyone can. I mean, he's got guys that are looking at all those schools, and he wants positive relationships at all of those schools, up and down uh, the West Coast, all the way from the Arizona schools up here to Washington and Washington State. So, um, you know, he's going to, for lack of a better term, he's going to cheerlead for all of them because all of those guys, if they they scholarship one of his guys, then it's a win-win. I mean, he can publicize it as – He's a guy that, that helps get these guys, uh, you know, free college tuition. And the schools went out because they are got a guy in their corner who they know can probably help steer them in the right direction. Now, obviously, when it comes to a head-to-head recruiting battle and you've got a Washington versus Oregon or Washington versus USC or one of these things, you know, who, who knows what kind of role he would play in something like that. But to be honest, he... Um, I think he's a little bit more wedded to that three stripe life than anything else at all I think the the association with Adidas is the thing that probably helps get a guy like Tracy in the door with a lot of these schools um, to begin with because that that carries some clout with it and you know doing the seven on seven tournaments and the success that FSP has all, all these things just kind of snowball on, on each other and create a positive uh momentum for a guy like tracy so it's certainly he's certainly a guy you have to you have to know and you have to have a good relationship with, but in terms of how much influence he would play in a recruit's decision in terms of what school they're looking at or what have you, I, it's really hard to read. I, I'm not I'm pretty sure that he's, you know, he knows enough about the process that he wouldn't involve himself so deep that he couldn't get out of a, of a jam, so to speak.
0: And Scott when it comes to recruiting information is king you know the more you know about a recruit the better doesn't hurt to have an ear or direct line to your
1: brother yeah I mean I, Washington already had Tracy uh, you know regardless I don't I really don't think this is um, you know Thomas Ford being able to get you any more information on guys um, out of Tracy I think it's more his connections within the region that are really going to help on stuff like that. I don't think it's anything more than that.
0: And when you say that, you're talking about uh, the local schools because he was recruiting the local schools and took quite a few up to uh, Simon Fraser. So he knows the landscape of them uh, coaches in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah,
1: and, Yeah, and if I remember correctly, Simon Fraser actually is a pretty good academic school as well and they had to work a lot with admissions and trying to get guys in and there were certain things they had to do to to be able to get guys in so he knows walking that fine line that washington has to walk
2: i would say one thing too i would say one thing too guys is that at least within the first few days of when he announced that he was hired via twitter um, he was pretty active in kind of pumping up the brand in terms of washington Letting kids know, you know, why Washington is the hot name, all those kinds of things. So, from like a social networking aspect or angle, um, Thomas Ford is a guy that clearly understands it, and he's either learned from Tracy in that respect, or Tracy learned from him how things went. And obviously, being through the process, having gone through recruiting when he was getting guys to Simon Fraser, he obviously understands. The process really really well too he probably knows what pushes these kids buttons a little bit and gets them going and so that's going to help too because he probably relates to them uh, pretty well
0: interesting hire it'll be interesting if and when spring ball ever takes place or another football practice we'll get a chance to uh, see him a little bit and maybe do him a little bit as well but as of right now i mean nobody's in the football offices up at uw everybody's gone for two weeks um so just not a lot going on right now up there in the football offices. But switching over to basketball real briefly, Chris, uh Eric Stevenson who's shooting guard out of Timberline High School. The Timberline or Timberlane?
2: Timberline, where Jonathan Timber Stewart went.
0: Yeah going brain dead there for a second. He's a shooting guard, 6'4 shooting guard out of um, Lacey uh, down at Timberline High School. And uh, he's announced that he is going to be leaving Wichita State. And I know that Washington really liked him a lot coming out of high school. But uh, he'd already committed to Wichita State by the time Hop had gotten here. So Hop was just late to the party and just uh, a lot going on. And you know some, some people I've talked to what I've seen what three, four, five kids decommit from Wichita State, and I've heard number could go as high as seven. and Greg Marshall, the coach there, evidently doesn't exactly make things fun to play at Marshall, excuse me, at uh, Wichita State. So look for Eric Stevenson as a guy that Washington is going to go heavily after. It's been reported that Washington's already made contact with him. I think it's going to be Washington and Gonzaga when it comes down to it. So keep an eye on those two schools, and uh, especially with Eric Stevenson, he'd have to sit out a year. And then after sitting out a year, he'd have two years of eligibility left, Chris.
2: Yeah, it's disappointing that he would have to sit out. I mean, there's there's honestly no reason why he would be given an immediate waiver of eligibility, that's for sure. I mean, unless there is some sort of hardship that could be connected to what's going on now or or anything else. So we, I guess that part is a little unexplained at this point. But yeah, the the reporting is is that basically every program up and down the West Coast, when you talk about Washington, Gonzaga, Oregon, USC, uh, Arizona, UCLA. I mean, it just sounds like he could have his pick of any school he wants to go to in this part of the world. So, yeah, would it surprise me if it comes down to Washington and, and Gonzaga, for instance? Not at all. Um, I don't know if you would like Washington's chances in that particular battle. Clearly, when you look at which program is trending up, what program's been you know been doing well the last couple years, and 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 who has the who has the cachet, so to speak. So. That would be a real uphill battle, but if Hopkins could could certainly get him, um, that's a guy they would love to stash away for sure. Scott, the
0: number one
1: reason uh, kids pick a school? Uh, It's location. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing, and then you would throw, that would be kind of 1A. 1B would be more of the relationships that he has with the coaches. So. Yeah,
0: location, getting in you know, with everything that's going on out there in the world today, getting close to home might swing it towards Washington. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, Nate Pryor is a point guard out of West Seattle that a lot of people knew about. And he committed to Washington, but did not qualify. He sat out a year and then went to, um, I think it's Northern Idaho he's at. Um, it's one of the JCs over in Idaho had a really good couple of years over there He put out on his Twitter that he wasn't committed to Washington. I'm not sure How valid his offer still was he had that out there that he was committed to Washington for quite some time but it sure looks like Washington is just kind of backed off of him the um, debacle with quad green and I keep saying this, I agree with Coach Pete, it's not fair to bring kids in who can't handle the academics at UW. And when a kid like that didn't wasn't able to handle it at, um, at uh, West Seattle and in high school, the chances of him coming in, you know, um, and succeeding with Washington academics, that's a high-risk proposition. I think they're going to stay away from those kind of guys, Chris.
2: Yeah, I, I think that, that, you know, obviously he was a Romar, Lorenzo Romar recruit to start with. Um, so, you know, clearly they must've thought that there was an opportunity where if they got him into school with their student academic services, they could, um, help him kind of keep on the right path and those kinds of things. And it's not to say that there aren't kids in Seattle going to public schools that can't do well. I mean, look at Jalen Noel, you know, I mean, even guys like Will Conroy, Nate Robinson, all those guys, Brandon Roy. There's a ton of guys that have gone to public schools in Seattle and have succeeded in a big way. So that's not the problem. I mean, it's just identifying those kind of those kinds of kids that you know can succeed on and off the floor for sure. And um, it is a little disappointing, only in the sense that you would think there would have been a there would be a spot for Nate Pryor next year. Because yes, you've got Elijah Hardy coming back, and and who knows he could he could go into the portal very easily. I mean, we're seeing it every day new guys going into the portal. He's certainly probably, if you had to handicap it, probably the one that might be the most likely to go if there was a guy from Washington to go. Um, But you look at him, you look at Marcus Sohonis, you know, those two guys can certainly do some things, but if you look at a guy like Elijah Hardy, is he really setting guys up? Is he really playing a true point guard role? You know, and, and, and looking at Nate Pryor, I don't know what his game has evolved to at North Idaho, I mean, at, at West Seattle, he kind of did a little bit of everything, kind of like Sahonas, kind of like Hardy. So would he just be another one of those guys? That's really the, well, maybe the biggest question.
0: Well, the, to me, the question is, um, you know, if you're going to take a J.C. guy, he's got to be able to come in and compete right away. And when you take a look at a J.C. guy who's going to come in and expect to start, let's take a look. First of all, questionable academics. Strike one. Question number two: Is he good enough? Is he better than Marcus Sahonis? Oh hell no, he's not. So you're bringing in a guy that's going to compete with Marcus Sahonis, and I don't think he's as good as Marcus. And Marcus is, you know, going to be that second point guard to Quad A. So, you know, is he good enough? Questionable academics, that's two strikes, you know, question marks, and that's just too many for a program like University of Washington, where it's at right now. I think you're better off sticking with uh, the local because I know that the guy that they really have their eyes on as the point guard of the future down the road is the kid from Eastside Catholic, Nolan Hickman. I think that's uh, next to Paulo Banchero. You know, Paulo's, of course, the most important recruit in the class because he's such a huge talent. You know, and a five-star recruit, a local kid. But Nolan Hickman's going to be a four-year starter at University of Washington. He's going to be a very, very, very good point guard. And, Chris, teams that win, teams that win big, have good starting point guards. You ever seen a really, really good team without a really good starting point guard?
2: Well, yeah, in college – the guard play is essential. There's no question about that. And if you, if if you're Hopkins, Mike Hopkins, and and you can get a 2021 class of, of Paolo Banchero, Nolan Nickman, and Jackson Grant, you're happy because Grant's already committed. If you get all th- those two other guys, you're loving life. Um, as it is right now, and you're only looking at 2020. The, you know, you only have the the USC transfer coming in, and that's it. And then if you got Eric Stevenson, he'd have to sit out a year. So there, there are still some holes there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Hop goes for a player to, to help fill it in. But I think when you go back and you talk about competing and trying to find a role for a guy like Nate Pryor, you're right. I mean, ultimately, we saw how Mike Hopkins wants to stick to an eight-man rotation. That's his comfort zone. That's what he wants out of his group of guys. Do we think a guy like Nate Pryor would break into that top eight? I, I just don't think so
0: we keep on saying this hop know, and, and I understand it. And I, I actually agree with hop. You know, if you've got 20 minutes to give a guy off the bench, would you rather have one guy with 20 minutes or two guys playing 10 a piece? And he's a firm believer in that you get more production out of one guy playing 20 than two guys, 10. And, uh, you know, you can argue either way, but, you know, at least have an understanding of it. And, you know, if a guy like Nate Pryor comes in, is he going to take minutes away from Quad A. Green? No. Is he going to take minutes away from Marcus Sohonis? No. Is he going to take minutes away from Nas Carter? No. Is he going to take minutes away from Raekwon Battle? No. So, you know, um, that's why I, I think the writing was on the wall that he kind of saw it that, uh, you know, this he's not going to get the playing time here at University of Washington. It's just not going to happen. Ultimately, So we'll see what be. happens
2: I was going to well, say, Kim, ultimately hard. ultimately, my question to you would be then is if we see that news on Nate Pryor take place, does that mean that Quade Green is going to stick around and that he's yes. turned yes. his academics yes. around?
0: Yes. Yes.
2: yes. Okay, so yes. is it just that simple? I mean, they didn't have a scholarship to give because Quade Green is going to still be using that scholarship. No, they've got room. I mean, they've got they've got room.
0: I mean, they're losing. Um, um, I mean, Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniel's and uh, Sam Timmons are all gone. I mean, I know it's not official with Jaden and Isaiah, but trust me, it's it's could be announced at any point in time. So there's three scholarships right there. One will go to Riley Sorn. Um, you know, if you guys remember the deal when Riley came. You know, and this isn't. Um, I got to be careful how I say this. You know what we had heard was that they agreed to give Riley uh, three years worth of scholarship if he'd walked on for two years. Riley's one of the smartest kids you're going to run across. I mean, he's uh, wants to get an aeronautical engineering school, and that means a lot to him. They didn't want to put him on scholarship, get him into the aeronautical engineering school, and then him have him quit basketball. But Riley seems like a guy who's entrenched into the basketball team now, and. I'm telling you, he was night and day this year against uh, a year ago, and he's really improving. He's not there yet, but uh, they lost. You know, at least going to get one, and then if they give Eric Stevenson one, that means that they have to be open to get. And there's another possibility that they could bring in um, another transfer that would also have to sit a year. So um, we'll see. But expecting help for next year's basketball team uh, when it comes to either a recruit or a transfer that's just not going to happen i think hop's got a pretty good idea of his eight and depth that he wants to play with there's a lot of talent coming back especially with nate roberts and brian Penn johnson it's going to be a different type of team so you know uh, i don't have a problem bringing in a couple of transfers if that's what it takes and then uh banking a lot on the next recruiting class with uh the guys that he's targeted which are some big time guys so we'll see um uh, NFL news related to Washington. Corey Littleton signed a three-year, $36 million contract today uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. I got that right, with the Las Vegas Raiders. and um, So weird. 13. So weird to type that. I think it was 13.7 <laughs> guaranteed. So if I would have told you when Corey Littleton graduated from high school that he would sign a three-year, $36 million contract, what would you have told me, Scott?
1: Oh, I would have said... Wow, that means he really developed a lot more than we than we think he's going to. So, in and, and you know he was a part-time starter at the University of Washington until his senior year. I, if I remember correctly, I don't I don't think he started as a junior like the full season. I think he might have started half the games maybe. Um, and you know he and Travis Feeney were really nice bookends uh, for the Huskies out there. But he's the one that's actually made himself into. A middle linebacker at the next level. When I didn't see him being that guy once he got to got to the NFL, and and he's done it, man. More, you know, more power to him, man. Great for him, and it's it's a great legacy that Washington has really, really that they have somebody like that out there. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Mason Foster is still uh, with the Washington Redskins no. or not, but yeah, so no. he's gone. Yeah, he's a free agent. So you know, I I mean, he's the only guy right now he and Shaq are the only two linebackers I think that are that are in the league right now for for the University of Washington Ben Burkervin. oh Ben Burkervin. that's right yeah and yeah And Corey's not
0: the biggest guy, but, um, you know, when he was brought in, Sark, you know, wanted him as kind of that spread killer guy, kind of like that Ben Burkirvan type of guy who's just going to run guys down and make a tackle and be special teams terror. And uh, Corey Littleton has done a great job of that and um, couldn't be happier for a guy like Corey. He's earned it. And like I said, he's not that big.
1: Yeah, he's not. I mean, but, you know, he just gets it done. He's smart. He's really good in coverage. I, I think his uh, in four years he has over twenty nine passes, passes defense, and that's not just batting the ball down at the line of scrimmage. That's also in coverage, so um, that's pretty impressive from a from a guy who who usually pinned his ears back and and uh, attacked the line of scrimmage. Pro Bowl special teams player was it? Uh, that he made? Yeah, um, maybe early on. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. I don't remember that off the top of and my head. You, uh,
0: I'd have to look. I'm pretty sure he was a pro bowler on special teams. But another uh, former Husky in the news, uh, Desmond Trufant, the starting corner for the Atlanta Falcons, may be a salary cap casualty. And he's 29 years old, and he still has three years, $32, 33000000 million left on his contract, and you know, he may be a salary cut um, guy. So uh, keep your eye on Desmond Trufant. That's a guy who could wind up in Seattle, depending on salary. There's also some rumors that his former defensive coordinator, Mike Nolan, who's now the um, head. He's the defensive coordinator at Dallas. Um, so Dallas might be a spot for him. And Dallas just lost their starting corner to the Miami Dolphins with um, a huge contract. So Dallas would be looking at a corner. So um, keep an eye for Desmond Trufant.
1: If I remember correctly, I think I did a story on this, and I'm, I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. But I think Desmond Trufant, even though he missed the last, I want to say, six games of the season, it might be more than that, he still led former Husky defensive backs in interceptions last year with four. So yeah. he, had a, he had a pretty good season, even though he missed um, a lot of the season with uh, with a broken arm. You've known this guy good enough. You know he's a homeboy.
0: You know he's a mama's boy. I think think it's a good shot that he winds up back in Seattle. If If they offer him the right money, money, yeah.
1: If they offer him the right money, he'll be back. Nothing wrong with playing in Dallas either. Hey, by the way, he was the first guy when Nick Holt got off of the plane after signing his contract with the University of Washington, he was the first recruit that Nick Holt went to see. And uh, they locked him up shortly right after.
0: Yeah. Um, also, just um, with is it Michael Brockers, I, I believe, the defensive lineman that um, signed a big contract opening the way. A lot of talk down in the Los Angeles area of uh, Greg Gaines having um, a little bit more of an opportunity down there, and they're expecting him to really step up this year. So this could be a big year for Greg Gaines, and if he has a big year this year and going into next year, he has a four-year contract, so if he gets in you know, the second year and uh, has a good third year, then he's going to open himself up for a nice size contract as well. So looks like the door is going to be open for Greg Gaines, so another thing to keep an eye on. And I think all of us like Greg. He's a special guy. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Chris, I had a chance to talk to uh, Jeff Told yesterday, and there's a really cool project going on up at University of Washington with – um, archiving. Can you tell people a little bit about what you're working on with that and putting together?
2: Sure. Um, just a situation where, um, obviously, we've got a little bit of free time on our hands. And, um, you know, we're still going through this, the pre-spring uh, practice pre- or, or uh, position previews like we normally would. Um, you know, there's nothing that's been canceled yet in terms of spring practice. So we're, we're just continuing like everything is normal on that front. But for some of the people at Washington who are have been told to go home from work, um, self-quarantine, that kind of thing, you know, this has led to some obvious free time for them to work on some other projects. And for a long time, Jeff Bechtold, who's the sports information director, lead sports information director at Washington, has kind of, you know, he's kind of the point guy if you if you want information like. You know, if he wanted if, if if you wanted to email the Washington uh, SID and ask him for a copy of the nineteen ninety Washington football roster, that's the guy you would ask. Or, you know, did so and so play in nineteen eighty-six uh, against Washington State? You know, they they kind of would answer those minutiae type questions. And so what he did was is that every time he was asked a question about something where he would have to pull up a relevant file or go back into the archives and look for something, he would just look, make a copy of it and kind of put it into this kind of standing digital archive that uh, they have on GoHuskies.com over the years. And slowly but surely, he's kind of turned it into something where it was kind of a hodgepodge of different files based on information that people had asked for Now he's starting to fill in the gaps, and not only is he doing that, Kim, but he's also going back into the actual archives, which have been relocated by the press box at Husky Stadium, to go in and really start searching them and filling in the gaps to this digital database that they have really put together, this digital archive of rosters, statistics, um, and anything else that seems to be relevant whether it came from a program whether it actually came from a media guide or it came from another source that was even earlier that dates all the way back to maybe 1900
0: and putting all that stuff together is kind of pretty cool and look for something coming out in that in the next couple of days it's really interesting about how he goes back and uh you know, I asked him to find anything cool, and he's got some cool stuff that he found that uh, we'll talk about a little bit uh, in the uh, when we get that out. But uh, Hugh McElhaney stuff, some years on the roster that he's still looking for and asking for a little bit of help from the fans. If they have any of those from programs and all that kind of stuff, it may be in the archives, but... You can imagine what those archives look. Some of them are just boxes and some of them are just files and some of them are just envelopes that are unmarked. So kind of a treasure trove. So um, some pretty cool stuff being done by the athletic department up there um, looking into that. So
2: yeah, Kevin, um, just real quick, I was would add to that, this is a great crowdsourcing opportunity for Jeff Pechtold, the, the SID, all those and he's and he wants people to get involved in this. He wants this to be as much of a community project as possible because he knows that the archive that they have has probably 90% of what they need or 80% of what they need, but there are definitely holes in the research and holes in the archives. And so, you know, we, we talk, we'll be talking about it in the article, but it's good to uh, reach out and find people, especially when we're in a situation like this, where we have time in our hands, maybe we go into the the garage and look up some of these dusty old boxes that our parents or grandparents had that you you maybe haven't looked at lately, but now you have some time to do it. Um, This is a good opportunity to to maybe help uh, fill some gaps in their research and create uh, a real in-depth and comprehensive digital archive, which is what obviously their intent is.
0: Before we wrap up uh scott tell people what you're doing with uh everything that's going on out there with the social distancing kids being home from school uh what do you work what are you up to tell people what your days are filled with right now we really can't go out as much as we used to
1: Um, well, I mean, me and the, me and the oldest guy, um, have been going out for runs and walks and he really loves doing that. We went to the playground the other day and, and, uh, things like that. And, um, you know, just trying to keep, keep him busy because he's used to being on a routine, you know, more than anything, I think that's what people who don't have kids, or maybe it's been a long time since they had, they had kids in the house like you, Kim, but kids get used to a a schedule and it really throws him off. Like he's asking, when can I go see my friends at school? When can I when can I go to this place? Can can we go to Kids Happy Hour, which is a like indoor gym that they that they have down here that, they, that we've taken them to? And I'm like, right now I can't go to those, bud. You know, we just gotta we're just gonna have to go out and do these different things. So um, you know, it it's not as as bad as, you know, it could be, but you know, these are first world problems that we're talking about too. But You know, I'm not worried about how I'm going to put food on the table for my kids or or having a roof over our heads like like some people in other parts of this world have to deal with. But, you know, it's tough when you're used to working from home and doing what what we do and uh, those things and and you got kids running around. It's not as easy to do. And and my wife uh, is the director of a preschool down here and they're shut down. And so now she and I are going to be around each other a lot more. Um, I think there might be a lot of family counseling going on with a lot of these people who have, to, who have to be in the same house together. I mean, think about what it's like for the coaches and their families. You know, I'm sure the wives enjoy having them home to, to share some of the workload with the kids. For two days. For but two on the days. other hand, these coaches are used to being in the office for 80 hours a week this time of the year as they're getting ready for spring football. So now their wives are like, when are you going back into the office? So, um, you know, it is what it is. you know you make the best of it, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting some back to some sort of normalcy at some point here, hopefully over the next couple weeks, maybe within the month.
2: Satters, you're
1: just hunkered uh, down.
2: Yeah, I know everyone calls it social distancing I, I just call it Tuesday. So um, for me, it's not there's not a ton that's different other than I've made a real concerted effort to not leave the house unless I absolutely have to. Like if if I literally don't have anything on the shelves and I got to go get something, I'm, I'm going to go do it. But I'm going to try to support local businesses as much as I can. Um, if, they, if they deliver, fantastic. I'm going to do that. And, um, you know, support my friends who are in the entertainment and, and industry and, and uh, you know, work at restaurants and bars that are having an unbelievable tough time right now. Trying to help them as much as I can, um, you know it's just it's just super super surreal, knowing that you know we're putting stuff out and we're getting geared up and we're trying to act like business is normal, but it's not. Um, SEC just canceled all spring games. Wouldn't be surprised if the Pac-12 follows suits here, uh, follows suit here real quickly, and does that. Um, you know then we start thinking about how do they integrate all this stuff in with maybe summer session, with the leap, um, how they do all that kind of stuff, because that could certainly happen. And how much of a break would you give them once you roll into fall camp? I mean, there's so many things that go involved with the logistics of this thing because no one has any idea where the breaking point of this is. It's like, you know, not, not to put the kind of a fever analogy on it, but you're kind of waiting for the fever to break. So then you have a general idea as to, okay, what kind of time frame are we talking about? That, that to me is it's the uncertainty that's so difficult to understand. And, and, and obviously, we're trying to do the best we can. I know everyone else out there is trying to do the best that they can and just um, thinking about them and hoping that everyone out there is being safe and doing the right things and staying healthy.
0: What do you guys think? Take a guess. What was I doing before I came in to do the podcast? Scott, what do you think I was doing?
1: Well, with the weather being the way it is, I would say you were probably doing yard work.
0: What do you think I was doing, Chris?
2: Yeah, you were mowing the lawn.
0: I'm close. I'm cutting down a tree, big 30-foot tree, cutting it down in pieces. I have an acre, so there's an unlimited amount of work here. So anybody want to come in and uh, do some yard work, I'll practice social distancing by staying inside the house. I'll put beer on the front step with uh, Clorox wipes if you want to come and help me. But uh, Just trying to stay home as uh, much as I can. Um, I'm a I'm a bachelor. And, uh, I'm trying I'm trying to help out um, some friends of mine that own businesses and restaurants and helping them do some social media stuff and uh, making sure that uh, I I bought some gift cards from their places. I've ordered dinner. I have tipped the price of the meal or more and just taking care of those because. So many people in the restaurant business and the service industry and the Uber drivers and all those kind of guys, high percentage of those guys are living on the edge financially. So, um, you know, all three of us are fortunate to have the gig that we have and uh, we're fine. And plan on being with the new contract we signed. We're good for another three months. Excuse, three months. You like that, Scott? Three months. Um, we're good for another three years. So we're gold. And so it's time for us to get back to those who've given so much in the past. So I uh, encourage everybody to do so. So anyways, uh, for all of us at Dogman.com, stay tuned. There's still a lot of work yet to be done by us. And there's always content. And whenever you think there's not much going on, something always happen. Hey, so for all of us at
2: hold on hold on we're we're not quite done we still have one one thing we need to talk about um Blair Angulo just put out a crystal ball for a Arizona based defensive back and I know Scott put out a crystal ball for a Bay Area receiver and I was hoping to maybe talk a little bit about those things to to kind of finish up the recruiting part of all this stuff yeah
0: Scott uh the crystal ball you put in and you put that in a while ago didn't you No, last
1: Monday.
0: I thought you put put it in a while ago.
1: No, last Monday for Troy Franklin, and uh, I still hold true to it, although I will say this, the fact that they're basically – they haven't shut down spring practice yet, but we all kind of expect that to be the case. And um, and either way, I don't think they're going to have much of a spring game this year. And I think that – we won't really see much going on as far as that is concerned and that was when I thought we might see a commitment from Troy Franklin to the University of Washington and so people who
0: he is by the way he's
1: big time wide receiver five star top I think what is he top 30 guy in the country um, as far as uh, players are concerned can can do it all plays in a run heavy uh, offense down there at Menlo Atherton which you know, he has two teammates on the team already in uh, Daniel Haymuli and Noah Ngalu. And, um, you know, Washington has been doing really well for him for a long time. They're still doing really well for him. But uh, Oregon did turn his head a little bit. And I think if he does stay out west, it's Oregon and Washington. But I think Washington's the team to beat at this point.
0: He's also playing uh, with Sam Hayward's team. So he's um, building yeah, have a relationship eight, with eight, Sam so. Yeah, so nothing wrong with catching uh, passes from arguably the number one quarterback in the free. And the other one, uh, Scott, that uh, Blair just put in the crystal ball for?
1: Yeah, he's a uh, cornerback prospect out of um, Goodyear, Arizona. Um, I think, what is it, Palm Desert? I can't remember the name of the school, but whatever school it is. Desert Edge?
2: Yeah.
1: Desert Edge High School. So, um, you know, he's really sticky. Uh, cornerback it's really hard to shake him he kind of plays with a bit of a uh, prick attitude and he can get some people fired up and and uh, it's something we've noted about him since we first saw him play but uh, he really is aggressive really uh, can play the ball um, has no fear out there and and he's been high on Washington and I think they are the team to beat. They have been. I've been saying for a long time I thought he would end up at the University of Washington, and I put in that he was one of the next five I think that could woof, And uh, but I wasn't going to go so far as to say that um, I thought that – or a crystal ball. I, I just – I wasn't ready to go that far quite yet. But uh, now that Blair's done it, I probably will end up doing it because he probably got some independent information from what I have. And if he can confirm that, which I'm sure you know, Blair's a great, great analyst and a guy who, who doesn't just throw stuff out willy-nilly, I'm probably going to be putting one in, too.
2: I was going to say, too, first of all, his name's Stephen Ortiz. And oh, I, th- I thought we mentioned it. I apologize. No, that's all right. But I was going to say this is a, a quote from from Blair on on the Ortiz article. You should read all of it. But here's kind of the, the – he said, with a lean, muscular build, strong lower half, Ortiz is a versatile and stingy defender who thrives in one-on-one battles near the line of scrimmage. When you think of a defensive back and you hear that kind of description, to me, that's, especially when he's 5'10", 170, kind of screams out a Miles Bryant-type kid. So he, he feels like he could be maybe what they're looking for at their future, maybe at the nickel position. That's just a guess.
0: Miles Bryant wishes 5'10".
2: No, no, no. I, I understand that. But, I mean, you're not always going to find 5'8 kids that play the way that Miles Bryant does. You're usually going to find them at 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, so, th- to me, Ortiz, you know, he has some good offers, too. Washington obviously has a bunch of kids from Arizona, like Dominique Campton, Jacoby Covington, Matteo Mele, uh, Braylon Trice, the new uh, long snapper, Jayden Green. So they, they've got a bunch of guys uh, from that area too. So they're they've certainly built some nice inroads into the into the, into Arizona.
0: And no disparagement, Miles. I've known Miles for a long time, and we have a good relationship. And we always kid each other. I, I always tell him I'm taller than him, and he just laughs at me. So, anyways. Uh we'll try again we're going to try to beef up the podcast that we do we've got a lot of stuff in the works so just keep it here at dogman.com even though there's no games and spring practice you know um probably not going to be for a while just keep it here we'll keep you all informed of everything that's going on nfl draft coming up a lot of huskies will be participating and probably be drafted we'll keep you all up to speed here so for all of us at dogman.com i'm kim grenold along with chris fetters and scott ecklin stay safe go dogs (music)